Welcome to People Who Wrote Books, a podcast about people who wrote books. I'm your host, Andrea, and I am going to tell you the stories of some of my personal favorite authors. Now, there are some books that are just kind of staples in today's society, right? These stories that have become ingrained and adapted into just countless different forms of adaptations and movies and TV shows and comic books. And sometimes I think it's sad that the person behind the story gets a little bit lost to time. And so on today's episode, I want to talk about Mary Shelley. Now I am assuming that most of you know who she is. Yeah, like, right? Most of you know who she is, right? And I also assume that many people who listen to this podcast, you're aware of the fact that she is a groundbreaking badass, right? But I don't know how many people really know the story of her life. So on this episode, I'm going to forget about Dr. Frankenstein and his monster, and we are going to talk about Mary. Now, listeners, I do want to mention that Mary's story includes a lot of tragedy, and this includes suicide, miscarriage, and the loss of children. So if you need to stop listening now to protect your mental and emotional well-being, I completely understand. All right, now let's get started. On a dark and stormy night, just kidding. I'm not going to start the episode that way. Also, even though a lot of Frankenstein movies are started that way, that is not how the book starts. So just wanted to say, we are going to start with a woman named Mary Wollstonecraft Godwin. And Mary was born on August 30th, 1797 in London. Now her mother, who is also named Mary, there are going to be a lot of Marys in the story. I'm going to do my best to keep them separated for you. Her mother, Mary Wollstonecraft, she sadly passed away a little over a week after giving birth to our Mary. But what I find absolutely incredible is that our Mary, in her life, you see this influence of her mother so often. And the fact that she didn't really know her mother, but you still see her influence, I think is really interesting and a big part of her story. So because of that, I want to start by talking about her mother, Mary. Now her mother, Mary was a feminist. She was a loud vocal feminist in the mid 18th century. Now this is a time when women were meant to be selected by a man to be a wife. And that was it. That was pretty much what they were expected to do. And then, you know, keep a good house and whatnot. Have babies, well, have male babies. So Mother Mary, during this time, she was writing and she was writing about women's rights to education and also about their value in society. And this was dangerous stuff. Like, this was, she was speaking things that a lot of people did not like. She ended up moving to Paris and was there during the French Revolution. And during that time, she fell in love with an American named Gilbert Imlay. Now, Mary really, she had thoughts about marriage, totally understand, you know, at that time, marriage was a very um, constraining 
situation for women of that time. And so she didn't really want to get married. Um, he definitely didn't. He is this adventurer. I mean, this American that just, you know, was in Paris during the French Revolution. So Mary ended up pregnant and, of course, unmarried. They decided not to get married. And she gave birth to her first child, a daughter named Fanny, in 1784. Now, Mary is writing, and she keeps writing during this time. She is now, you know, in Paris with a young daughter, and Gilbert leaves. Now, he's promising to return. Eh, Promises, promises. That kind of seems to be Gilbert's way of life here. But he's gone, and that means that Mary is a single woman with an infant in the middle of the French Revolution. <laughs> That's a lot. She has to be a strong-willed woman to be, to be living through all of this. Now, Gilbert eventually ended up returning to London, even though he kept promising, I'm going to return to Paris to you and Fanny. No, he didn't. So Mary decided to take matters into her, her own hands, which... I mean, that totally sounds like something she would do, right? And she took the baby, baby Fanny, and they went to London. Now, she went to London. She found Gilbert. She is attempting to convince him to be with her and the baby. And um, through all of these desperate attempts, she even has two suicide attempts within this. And in the end, she finally decides, you know what? He's not coming back. There's nothing I can do. I'm going to leave him be. And she dove back into her world of writing and that network, those colleagues and those people, and went back to writing. Now, this is when she met a man named William Godwin. Now, William is also an author, and he is known for his radical political views. And I love this um, quote from him because he had read her book, which was called Letters Written in Sweden, Norway, and Denmark. And after reading that book, he wrote, If ever there was a book calculated to make a man in love with its author, this appears to me to be that book. How sweet is that? He fell in love with her because of her writing. Oh, he read a book of hers and fell in love. I love that part of the story because obviously if you have listened to any of my other podcasts, I love a love story and this one does seem like a true one. Now, Mary became pregnant again, this time with William's child, and they actually decided to get married. And this kind of went against both William and Mary's philosophies and what they were talking about in the community, but they decided to get married. Unfortunately, um, Mary passed away then, of course, shortly after the birth of her child, her second child, Mary. And this is a very tragic start to our Mary's life. But somehow her life was still shaped by this amazing mother of hers. So now we are going to go from Mother Mary's story and start talking about our Mary, Mary Godwin. And this is quite a journey. Oh my goodness, Uh, I'm putting this into a really short form because I do believe in keeping these short, but wow, she led quite a life. In 1801, Mary and her half-sister Fanny were being raised by William. So this is Mary's father, but it's Fanny's stepfather. And in 1801, William decided to remarry and he married a woman named Mary Jane. We will call her Mary Jane to keep this clear. So our Mary is only four years old at the time. 
And Mary Jane came into this with two children of her own, Charles and Claire. So now our Mary has her half-sister Fanny and then two step-siblings, Charles and Claire. Now our Mary was educated during this time and I think it really goes to show that William believed in the things that he and her mother Mary um, talked about and wrote about and made sure that his daughters were educated. And it doesn't seem like our Mary got along extraordinarily well with her stepmother. And at one point she did start spending some time away with some friends of the family. Now this may or may not have had anything to do with her relationship with her stepmother. There are a lot of different opinions on that, but regardless this time away, she was learning more about philosophy and new ways of thinking. So she's educated, she's learning about philosophy, new ways of thinking, and now Percy Shelley enters into our story. Percy is this radical poet philosopher. And at the time, you see, Mary's dad and stepmother had started a press for some of these authors and this radical writing that they loved. And it wasn't going so well. They weren't making a lot of money. They had invested a lot into it, weren't making a lot back. So Percy, he actually came from a well-to-do family and he was supposed to save the press with his access to his family wealth. However, he had these really strong political views that caused a rift between him and his family and that made all of this financing fall apart. But just because his financing fell apart did not stop Mary from falling in love with him. She is 16 at the time, he is 21, and her father does not approve of this relationship at all. And so, Mary and Percy decided to run away together to France, which is similar. You know, her mother ran away to Paris. So she's going to run away. She runs away to France with Percy. And also they took along her stepsister, Claire. Now, I do want to mention that Percy has, he had some very unique views about relationships. Just going to leave that there for now. It will make sense as we go through the story. So anyway, the trio... Mary, Percy, and her stepsister, Claire, they traveled for a few months and they did finally return to London. And at that point, Mary was pregnant with Percy's child. And of course, her father was not happy. This caused a really caused a rift between those two. And she really did love her father. So this was difficult for her. All right. So we're back from gallivanting around France. Mary is pregnant. And oh, also (laughs) Percy has a wife. Mm -hmm. Yes, Percy has a wife, Harriet. And right around this time, Harriet gives birth to their second child, which is a son. And also, you know, Mary's pregnant. He had a second child with his wife, and he's also spending like a lot of time out with Mary's stepsister, Claire. Now, Mary did have a miscarriage and lost this first baby. um, And this was in 1815, which made her 18 at the time of her first miscarriage. A year after that, Mary gave birth to another child. This was their son, who they named William after her dad. And then Mary and Percy and Claire, of course, and baby William went to Lake Geneva to spend the summer with the famous poet Lord Byron. And the reason they went, I mean, in addition to like, hey, it's fun to spend the summer at Lord Byron's lake house, but also... Claire was pregnant with Lord Byron's baby. Don't ask me how. I don't know how that happened or where they connected, but 
that is the case. And now we are to the part of the story that's pretty famous. You might know this part. This is where you have this group of authors. They are having fun creating ghost stories. They have been reading these German ghost stories, decided to create their own. And Mary, this is when she came up with the idea for Frankenstein or the modern Prometheus. And she initially wanted it to be just a short story. She started writing and Percy, he did, um, he did encourage her to continue writing and make this into a novel. So this is where Frankenstein began. And really, usually this is the only part of the story people know. Now, the whole group, they return to England. And after they're back, um, Mary receives the devastating news that her half-sister, Fanny, had committed suicide. And then right after that, Percy's wife, Harriet, also commits suicide. So a lot of very tragic loss at this point. In an attempt to get custody of the two children that Percy had with Harriet, Mary and Percy decided to get married. And they did that in December of 1816. Now, the good thing is that this marriage did seem to mend her relationship with her father. However, they did not gain custody. So all of that. And also, Mary is pregnant again. Oh, and yeah, Claire is still pregnant as well. So January of 1817, Claire had a baby girl. She named her Alba. And then at that point, so it's a little interesting because Percy really is, um, he's, he's living a high life, but doesn't have the financial means he had before. So he owes a lot of money to a lot of people. That's a big motivator for why they're moving around as often as they do. So Mary Claire, Percy and baby William um, and baby Alba, they move together. And then after they move again, Mary has another baby, a girl named Clara. So Frankenstein was published anonymously in January of 1818. And it was, you know, it was a success, um, obviously has been published many, many times since so many versions of it. What's interesting is they still had a lot of bad debts. So even the success of a published book, which should be a really big deal, wasn't so great because in March of 1818, Mary and Percy and Claire and the three babies moved to Italy to escape their debtors. And also because Claire had decided that she was going to give baby Alba to Lord Byron. So that was their first stop. They stopped and gave her baby to Lord Byron. Then they traveled around and they're writing for a while, traveling Italy and tragedy just cannot stay away from Mary. September, 1818, her daughter, Clara passed away. And then in June of 1819, her son, William passed away. Just can't even imagine. So now Mary has lost her two living children. She does have another child, a boy who she names Percy in November of 1819. So she does have a fourth child now. And, you know, as Mary is dealing with the grief of her children, she actually suffers another miscarriage. Through all of this, she keeps writing. She keeps writing. She is writing all of the time. Short stories, novels, biographies, she is writing. And then in 1822, So we're talking, you know, just three years after the birth of her son, Percy, her husband, Percy, and a friend go out on a new sailboat and are killed during a storm. 
yeah, she's got a lot of tragedy. Now, at this point, she decides to move back to London and is constantly having to fight to keep her son, Percy, because her late husband's father wants to take him away from Mary. You know, this is actually a good point to talk about this. So she keeps writing and she's actually kind of well known for her time. Like she was known for Frankenstein and she's respected as a writer. However, she continues to experience challenges because people are judging her lifestyle choices. They are judging her for having children without being married. They are judging her for having children of a man who was married to someone else. So she has all of these, all of this societal judgment on her. And that continues into this custody battle that she is constantly having to fight with her father-in-law to keep her son. So it's just, it's such a crazy dichotomy that she can be respected in one world and then just totally, you know, shamed in another. Her son, Percy, he graduated from Trinity College in 1841. Yay, some good news for Mary. Her son, Percy, remained very close to her, and then he married a woman, Jane, who got along splendidly with her mother-in-law. And because of this, Mary was able to live with him. So she had this happy time where she is living with her son and his wife. This is what she wanted. However, she is also sick and experiencing terrible headaches during this time. Mary passed away in 1851 from a brain tumor. She was only 53 years old. Okay, so that was a lot. (laughs) Her life was a lot. And I honestly don't really know how to even end this episode. We're talking about a woman who wrote a story when she was 19. A story that was unlike anything else people had seen before that has endured for over 200 years, this unique combination between horror and morality. And she wrote this before so many, there were tragedies in her life at that point, but before so many of these huge life tragedies, she was already writing this, this horror morality story. And when she wrote Frankenstein, I don't think she was intending to create a new literary genre. But I also don't think she would be surprised by the fact that she did. Mary was a writer. No matter what happened in her life, she wrote. It just seems like that's who she was meant to be. And during her lifetime, she published seven novels, two travel narratives, six biographies, 25-ish short stories, and then countless articles, poems, edited works, You know, Mary seems like she was a very determined and resilient person. I hope you enjoyed learning just a little bit more about Mary Shelley. And remember that behind every great book is a person who wrote it. And in this case, that person kind of makes me believe in destiny.